And so as you came in this morning, you may have noticed that we have um, uh, some Christmas decorations up. Who is excited for Christmas? Thank you to, to, to David and Susan for putting up a, some great Christmas decorations in the hall and, and, and in the corridor. And uh, for some of you, it may be too early, but today is actually Advent Sunday. Um, it is the, the season of preparation and waiting. So often, though, in Chris, uh, Christmas, we can actually forget in our season of Advent what we're waiting for. You know, we get consumed by the, the presents that need to be bought, the food that needs to be in the cupboard, the, the decorations that need to be put up, the, the TV scheduling. Um, we make the season of Advent this, this countdown to Christmas Day rather than these, uh, the countdown and the celebration of waiting for Jesus. We, we are trying to remind ourselves we get to Christmas Day and we're surrounded by all of the stuff of Christmas. And we try and remind ourselves, oh, this is, oh yeah, it's actually about Jesus. But actually, a lot that we've added has nothing to do with the celebration of our Savior's birth. Historically, the, the, the time of Advent hasn't been a countdown to Christmas. It's not been how many uh, little windows of chocolate you've got left. But it has been about this anticipation of the return of Jesus. It's always been about waiting. The season of Advent is this season when we are preparing for the coming of our King. We can become so familiar with the story, so uh, entrenched in our own traditions, so absorbed by consumerism that we sometimes can lose the wonder of this season. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell you you have to cancel your turkey order. Um, But as believers of Jesus, this this is a season where we long for his return. We look at the the world around us, we look at the brokenness, and we yearn for Christ to return and make all things new. The Old Testament speaks of this this coming Messiah who would one day rescue his people. Even when God's people were captured, even when they were taken as slaves, even when they were persecuted, there was this promise there was going to be a victorious king who would come and bring justice to the world. That's what God's people hang on to throughout all these difficulties. Promises like 2 Samuel 7, 11, he says he will give you rest from your enemies. Isaiah 65, he will create a new earth and bring judgment over those who oppose you. God's people knew that a better day was coming. They are waiting for this Messiah. And throughout Scripture, we see that they have been waiting a long time. At times, it seems like the Messiah may arrive as a a leader comes and he leads God's people into victory. He conquers the land, but then the king fails or God's people walk away from him or other nations come and conquer them and they still wait for this Messiah. One of the passages in the Old Testament which promises this Messiah is Isaiah 9, and it says in verses 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. To a people who have suffered, to a people who have lived in exile, who lived as foreign, foreigners amongst those who suppress and persecute them, there was a promise of a child who would be born and the government would be on his shoulders. He would rule and reign and he would establish an everlasting kingdom. 
Over this awesome series, we've been looking at a series called He Is, where we've been exploring the the character of God, who he is and what it means for us. And in this passage, we're told that this child would be wonderful counsellor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And over the next three weeks in the run-up to Christmas, we're going to explore these names about this promised Messiah to come. And we're going to see that in Jesus we find this promised child. And my prayer over these next few weeks is that we would deeply know our wonderful counsellor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And for some of us, we might realize that we've lost the wonder of Jesus, not just at Christmas, but in our everyday. We've become numb to the beauty of him. We don't expect him to move. We might know that he loves us, but does he really like us? Does he really want to use us to advance his kingdom? Maybe fatigue has set in. Maybe you want to give up or you're frustrated that God seems to speak to others, but not to you, and you feel left out. Maybe you've never encountered Jesus. And my prayer is this Christmas would be radically different to anything you've experienced before as you get to celebrate the birth of one who came to this earth and died for you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Two words to describe Jesus today. Wonderful Counselor. Firstly, wonderful. In our language, we describe wonderful is a word that we use to describe something that's slightly better than nice. Isn't it wonderful? Thank you so much for doing that. That was wonderful. Or isn't the weather wonderful today? Not maybe today, but it's wonderful compared to yesterday. But the word means so much more than that. The, the, the word wonderful in the Bible is used to describe something extraordinary. It's often used of God's judgment or his redemption. We find in uh, the same word that we read about in Isaiah 9, we find it in Judges 13. Uh, Manoah asks God uh, what his name is, and, and the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing as it is wonderful? In, in other translations, it sometimes uses the word beyond understanding or beyond comprehension. When we talk about the wonder of Jesus, we express something that is beyond us, totally out of our grasp. Jesus comes and he demonstrates his wonderfulness. He comes as a baby born of a virgin. The the account of his birth tells us that Mary and Joseph wondered at all the things that were said about him. As a child, he is found in the temple, amazing those who were there with his understanding of Scripture. Throughout his life, everything he did was wonderful. Everything he said was wonderful. He amazed those, those who listened with his teaching. Those who listened marveled at his words. His love for people. His ability to heal the sick, even raise the dead. His teaching was radical as it turned the ways of the world on its head. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He was beyond comprehension. Many marveled and followed him. Some couldn't accept him and some even killed him. Jesus is wonderful. Do you regularly find yourself in awe of who he is? Sometimes we want the Jesus who says nice things that we can put on a fridge magnet. But we don't want the Jesus who confronts us and demands obedience. We want the Jesus who is there in times of difficulty, but we don't want the Jesus who carries his own cross to his own crucifixion and calls us to pick up our crosses as well. 
You know, pocket Jesus that we can get out in times of difficulty, but then we can put him away and ignore him for the rest of the time. Jesus is God. He created all, and he is ruling and reigning in a kingdom that will last forever. He calls us to follow him. And as we do that, we get to see that he is wonderful. He is beyond comprehension. We will spend eternity worshiping Jesus. We're never going to get to a point where we've said enough or we've run out of things to say about him. You know, when Phil, uh, I think it was Paul earlier on, when Paul says, what have we got to say thanks to? Come down if you've got things to say thanks for. We're never going to get to that point. We're quite British and reserved. But in heaven, we're never going to get to that point where we go, Nope, I've got nothing to say thank you to Jesus for. We're never going to tire of words when it comes to our worship of him. Such is his wonderfulness, beyond comprehension. And just as those who saw Jesus walk on the earth saw how wonderful he was through his word and through his actions, we can know his wonder in our lives today. Jesus came as a baby. He lived and he died, but he rose again. He is alive today, and we believe that to be true. That we can know his power in our lives today. We can know that his power breaking into our lives, uh, seeing him change us, breaking us free from addiction, forgiving us from past mistakes, seeing healing come into our minds and our bodies. Jesus hasn't stopped demonstrating how wonderful he is, and we can know that wonder in our lives today. But wonderful is only half of his name because he is a wonderful counselor. In the book of Genesis, at the start of the Bible, we find God creating the universe. Everything is good. God is enjoying relationship with creation, with man and woman ruling with him. He has given humanity authority over his creation. He, he partners with them. He blesses them. He gives them rules and responsibilities, but he also gives them privilege. They look to him as the wise counselor. And as the creator, he knows how life works best for those he has created. It doesn't stay like this for long. As the serpent is introduced, the enemy of God, uh, the serpent tries to take control and and tries to take God's uh, God's role as counselor. Genesis 3, let's read what happens. From verse 1, Genesis 3. Now the servant was more crafty than any of the wild animals and the Lord God, that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here the serpent is taking God's role as counselor and ultimately leading God's creation away from him. Fortunately, this isn't the end as God is relentless in his pursuit for the people that he loves. And we see throughout the Old Testament, kings raised up to be God's, to lead God's people. They're described as counselors, those giving wisdom and guidance for the people. Some provide better counsel than others, and it seems like God's people are heading in the right direction. But then pride comes or selfishness comes, or they forget about the role God had for them. But throughout it is, all, it is clear, throughout the pages of Scripture, that when God's people are left Without wise counsel, wisdom, guidance, they walk from one mess to another. 
And yet in the midst of all of this, there is a promise that there will be a true counselor coming, the wonderful counselor. Just as there was in the Garden of Eden, once God would draw near to his people, he would restore the relationship that he had with them in the beginning. Just as the serpent had counseled God's people to destruction, Jesus would come and counsel God's people to redemption. Jesus comes and throughout his life, he teaches people what it is to live in the kingdom. He calls for obedience. He counsels and he guides. How many times do we see in the Gospels, Jesus sat with people, teaching, training, coaching his disciples about what it is to live as God originally intended. He shows himself to be the wonderful counselor. We see in Jesus' life just what is described in Isaiah 28, verse 29, where it says, This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. The problem with Jesus' counsel was it wasn't just good advice. Jesus didn't get killed for being a know-it-all. Jesus got killed for claiming to be God. You see, if Jesus is God, then he has authority. His counsel isn't simply good advice, but it is the way to life. And that means that if we choose to ignore such counsel, then we are heading towards death. Because we walked away from God, because we chose to disobey, the Bible tells us that the punishment is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin are death. As humans, we like to think we're so clever. It's always been that way. In Genesis 11, we find a group of people in the land of of Shinar, and they they plan to build a tower. And the reason is clear. This is what they say. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower, uh, and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. In other words, at Babel, in the land of Shinar, they say, let's show how clever we are. God comes down and he scatters his people and it's to show them who really is in control. And throughout scripture and throughout history, there is this long procession of humanity trying to take control, refusing to submit to God's plans and purposes, thinking that we know better. Now, God has made us with incredible ability. God is a creator and the Bible tells us that we are made in his image. And that means we're creative. By default, that is our position. We are creative because we're made in the image of a creator. And humans can do amazing things. Humanity created the light bulb, created the steam engine, the internet, the microwave. I mean, it's amazing what we can do. Humans can write music as beautiful as as Beethoven, can paint like da Vinci, can run like Mo Farah. Humanity, we celebrate this, not because it shows that we can live without God, but because we could only do it because God created us with such ability and such potential. But rather than enjoying being in relationship with our creator and living as he intended, we take control, we reject him, and we are heading to death. And yet God, in his love, sends Jesus to this earth. He demonstrates the kingdom. He he shows what it is to live truly in obedience to God. He shows us how life works best. He truly is the wonderful counselor. And then he goes to the cross. The baby in a manger. Now a human, now a man, now grown up, hanging on the cross. The wages of our sin, our disobedience is death. But rather than us dying as punishment, Jesus takes the punishment 
on himself. He lived in perfect obedience to the Father. He showed us what living in the kingdom looked like, and then he invited us to experience that life that John 10, 10, that that Phil spoke about earlier on, that we would have life in its fullness, back in relationship with God. Romans 8, 34 tells us where Jesus is now. It says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The wonderful counselor now at the right hand of the Father, ruling over his kingdom and interceding for us. Just as God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, showing them how life works best, so Jesus does the same for us now as our wonderful counselor. He walks with us. His teaching and his life counsel us into fullness of life. We are given the the, the holy scriptures so that we could understand who God is, who we are, what story we are living in. The gospel writings, the life of Jesus isn't just a nice story. It is Jesus showing us how life works best. We still fall into this trap of thinking that we know best, thinking that we are the clever ones. You know, I'm sure you've had a moment when you've read Jesus' words and it rubs you up the wrong way or it offends us. We have this decision to make. Am I going to submit to the wise counsel or do I think I know best? There is a call to obedience today as followers of Jesus. We're going to get it wrong. God's love is not dependent on our performance. When we get it wrong, we run to the Father's arms for forgiveness. There are going to be ups and downs in our walk with Jesus, but the life of a disciple is one where we are growing into the image of Christ. I want to read Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life life many years and will bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Jesus today is our wonderful counselor. That means we can trust him. He knows what you are going through. He knows the best course of action for every situation you are in. Sometimes he's going to speak through scripture. Sometimes he will speak to you directly. Sometimes he will speak through through another member of the body of Christ. We can know that the wonderful counselor is there for us and he is listening. He told us to pray about all our worries We can know that he wants the best for us and he has plans for our good. If you don't know Jesus today, will you give your life over to the one who created you, who knows how you work best? Will you bow the knee to King Jesus, no longer chasing the things of this world, but choosing to follow him? If you do know Jesus today, are you submitting to his rule and his reign? Is he wonderful to you? Do you trust him as counselor? Or are there areas of your life that you are refusing to hand over? Know that you can trust him today. He knows you and he is good. As we start this season of Advent, we're going to, in a moment, take a moment to look back. We're going to 
take communion as a remembrance of what Christ has done for us through his birth, through his life, and then through his death. And and then we're going to look forward that because of his resurrection, we can experience life now in relationship with God, but one day Christ will return and make all things new. He is the wonderful counsellor the one who showed us what it is to live in the kingdom, to show us how life works best, and then he walks with us, counseling us in every moment, knowing how we work best and knowing what is good for us. He has good plans for us today. We can trust him. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we don't walk around blindly trying to work out how to do life. You draw near to us. That you said you're never going to leave and forsake us. Lord, I thank you that we can trust you today with our lives. We can give our lives to you knowing you are that wonderful counsellor. And Lord, I do pray for those of us in this room who don't know you to be our wonderful counsellor. Lord, for those who have never chosen to give their lives to you, Lord, I pray you would draw near to them now. You would reveal yourself to them, reveal yourself to be true to them, that this day would be a moment where the trajectory of their lives changed forever as they walk from darkness into light. And Lord, we do pray for us, for every one of us, where we want to take control of our lives, where we think we know best, where we are are wrapped by God, anxiety and worry or where we're control where we where we just want to control everything because we like to be in control and be in charge where we don't trust to give our trust our lives over to you lord i do pray we would know you to be our wonderful counselor that we would submit the authority of our life to you that we would give it up knowing that you want to partner with us but it takes submission and obedience Lord, would you find us to be a people who are obedient to you today? Not holding back areas of our lives, not worrying about whether you're truly who you say you are or worrying about whether you will truly come through for us. But would we be people who would rest in your goodness, knowing that you are good, knowing that life is found in you. You know how life works best and we can fully give our lives over to you today. Amen. We're going to take communion in a moment, but the Bala Band leaders in a song, I'd, we really would love our children to join us. We believe that taking communion is an act, a community act uh, as a family. So please do go and get your children and bring them back down. And the band are going to sing a song, and then Phil's going to lead us in communion in a few moments. <laughs>